0: Between lightning and thunder, three seconds the gap. A warm candle glow keeps this wood room from black. My cat, she sleeps on an old clippy mat, purring out echoes, a faint pitter-pat.
1: Hello and welcome to Lemon Tree Podcast, Episode 1. I'm your host, Roger Meacham. Here, writers from across the UK, mainland Europe and the world share their writing. Think of each podcast as a snack we're sending to you. Each snack will have a unique taste, depending on which writer's work you're hearing. But we are broadcasting from Scotland, and so there will often be a Scottish flavour added. We want you to know more about our life you the listeners can submit your work to us and if it's chosen to be broadcast we'll want to know about you nothing excessive of course just your language music books food films dance and art oh and your country's wildlife inventions landscape and history you can see what kind of things we're interested in by visiting our website we at Lemontree Writers are the Scottish inverse diaspora together with native Scots reaching out to you Just for fun, during each podcast, I'll try to slip in a statement that definitely isn't true. See if you can spot it. Today's podcast, the first, is about treasure. Just think of it. You are here for the first of the Lemon Tree podcasts. Signed copies are available at the door. To begin with, there's a short story that might just sound familiar. Leslie Benzie, one of the Lemon Tree writers, reads, Jack. Jack by Roger Meacham, an adaptation of
2: Jack and the Captain from James Robertson's 365 stories. James Robertson acknowledges he was inspired by the opening of Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island. Young Jack and his widowed mum lived in Anstruther on the coast of Fife a fishing village famous for its fish and chips, which Jack and Mum could only afford once a week. An old sea captain washed up there looking for a berth, and Jack's mum took him in.
1: Fever me timber.
2: The captain was a fierce old fellow who seemed to, be li- to live entirely on rum and bananas. Whatever worldly possessions he had were kept in a wooden chest under his bed, and since the captain rarely got out of bed, neither Jack nor mum had ever seen the inside of the chest. No matter. The rent the captain paid meant they had two days a week of high living on fish suppers. The captain calling Jack Jim Lad, which Jack minded, I'm Jack, captain. It made no difference. Now, Jim Lad, fetch me more bananas. Here's a piece of eight. You mean this two pound coin, captain? I means this piece of eight, Jim Lad. Now off with you. Jack also minded that the captain now had his, Jack's, room. Jack had to make do with the sofa. Jack further minded that his mum kept the captain company for an hour each afternoon with the door firmly shut. He likes to talk, she told Jack. (laughs) I feel sorry for him and we share a banana or two. This was odd, Jack felt, because his mum never felt sorry for anyone and she didn't like bananas either but now it seemed they could afford three fish suppers a week. One day the old sea captain caught hold of Jack by the wrist. Here's a piece of eight, Jim lad. More bananas, captain? Nay lad, I want you to be on the lookout for an old seafaring gent like myself and you come a-running to tell me if you sees him. What does he look like, captain? He'll have a long black coat. He'll have a long black beard. He'll have a long black buttons. Long black coat? Long black beard, long black buttons. Aye, Jim, lad, and a couple of more things. he will have a wooden leg and a parrot. And dark glasses and a white stick, because he's blind. Long black coat, long black beard, long black buttons, and uh, and what were the other things, Captain? A wooden leg and a parrot, you swabber. Dark glasses and a white stick. If you see them come a-running, and you'll get another piece of eight. Jack treated himself to an extra fish supper and kept to look out. Well, it happened that a few months later on a cold winter's night, Jack was waddling to the fish and chip shop. He'd been putting on weight recently when a steely hand caught hold of his wrist. Boy, you got an old sea captain staying with you? Jack looked around and saw an ancient seafaring gent. He knew that because the gent was wearing a life belt around his long black buttoned coat and his beard was all encrusted with dried sea salt. Jack also saw that the sailor's right leg was wooden and finally he noticed the plump parrot perched on the man's shoulder. Uh. Excuse me, said Jack, are those dark glasses you're wearing? Is that a white stick you're carrying? I've got to run and he waddled as fast as he could home again. Tap 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 ping the old blind sailor came after him. When they got to Jack's house, chat burst in, to the captain's room. The old seafaring gent, he began to say, but the person in question was right behind him. Be that you, captain, cackled the old, the blind man. Be that you, blind Pew, groaned the captain. And the captain, face as white as the sheet he was lying on, sat up and dropped his banana. Here, said Pew, and gave the captain a piece of paper. Having done that, he took off his glasses, threw away his white stick pulled off his false beard, deflated the plastic parrot, took off the fake wooden leg, lowering his real one to the ground. Then with a hop, skip and a jump, he took off down the street, chortling. "'Jim lad, I'm done for,' says the captain. "'That there was Pew, the tax collector, and this here is a summons. "'I'm bankrupted.' With that, he fell back, stone dead. Jack's mum was very upset. "'What'll we do with all these bananas?' They went through the captain's chest and found enough money to pay for the funeral and a fish-and-chip supper afterwards. The captain's clothes went to the Oxfam, and the chest was chopped up for firewood. They burnt the summons. Oh, and the dirty old map they couldn't make head nor tail of
1: that went in the fire too. I found an even shorter version of this tale in James Robertson's 365 stories published by Penguin Books. That's the digits, three, six and five, folks, as in days of the year. James Robertson wrote a short story each day for a year, and each story had 365 words in it. I loved the story written on the 27th of June, called Jack and the Captain. So I contacted James Robertson, asking if I could adapt it for a storytelling session. Sure, said James. You'll recognise where I got the idea. And I hope that most of you listeners also recognise the characters from the opening of Robert Louis Stevenson's Treasure Island. There's Blind Pew, Jack and the Captain. Not as Stevenson saw them, of course. They've been idle, doing nothing for a couple of centuries now, just being read and reread. Such characters get bored, want a life of their own. James Robertson let them out for a bit of fresh air. So, there's a metaphorical treasure trove here. We don't have to totally invent new plots for tales. We can go back and reuse characters and settings from old tales. Off the top of my head, I can think of quite a few story writers who've done this. There's P.D. James's Death Comes to Pemberley, or Amanda Granger's Mr. Darcy's Diary, and Tyler's Vinegar Girl, Gregory Maguire's Wicked. You'll be able to think of many more, and it may be that every story we write is simply a variation on previous tales. The author and journalist Christopher Booker wrote... The Seven Basic Plots, Why We Tell Stories, published by Bloomsbury, and it's a tome. A tome? A tome is a book you should avoid dropping on your toes. His book suggests that all stories might be seen as variants on just a few basic repeating tales. He illustrates this using Beowulf, a 1,200-year-old Anglo-Saxon poem. A seaside village's calm is shattered by the arrival of a monster which seems to have supernatural power. As the village inhabitants grow to fear the regular attacks the monster makes on their community, they send for a hero to fight and destroy the monster. Remind you of anything? A film, perhaps? Jaws? How many films or books can you think of which use that basic tale? Perhaps Booker is onto something. In any case... It's a book full of great examples. No, I'm not on commission, I'm just saying. So back to the theme, treasure. How many of us have been stuck, sitting, squeezing the imaginative sponge part of our brains, hoping for a drop of an idea? All I'm saying is, you could do worse than use someone else's treasure as inspiration. So, back to the story you heard Leslie Benzie tell. James Robertson reimagined the opening of Stevenson's Treasure Island, he plays it for laughs and makes a setting a modern Scottish coastal village. Anstruther in Fife really is famous for its fish and chips. You can sit there at the little harbour and gaze over towards Edinburgh across the 4th estuary. If you're lucky you'll see a dolphin. Along the estuary you can catch a glimpse of three bridges. The railway bridge built in the 19th century, a road bridge built in the 20th century and the new beautiful road bridge built just a few years ago. Why did they bother? Fife is a coal mining area, and one of the deep mines has a gallery running right under the 4th Estuary from Fife all the way to Edinburgh. It really ought to have been made into a public road tunnel. It comes out just below Holyrood Palace in Edinburgh. The Royal Family use it for their outings to Balmoral Castle in the north of Scotland. Anyway, back to James Robertson's story. I added a little repetition and more conversation just for storytelling effect. The tale works best if the audience recognise the characters and have expectations that I can undermine for fun. But there are lots of ways to be inspired by someone else's good writing. Here's something I try when I'm stuck. Take a character from a book I've enjoyed, but take a minor character, one who barely gets a look in, and begin to spin a yarn based on what you know of them. Did you see Breaking Bad, the TV series? Did you think when you first saw it that the character of the lawyer Saul Goodman would go on to get his own series? Or take Dickens? I love Dickens. Now there's a character buffet for you, all you can eat. I take one of the minor characters like Guppy, say, in Bleak House, or Mr Pumblechook in Great Expectations, and I try to imagine their life beyond what Dickens has written of them. I'm beginning to burble. That's a sign that time's up. Now, if you'd like to get in touch or have a piece of your own writing read by yourself or one for the Lemon Tree Gang and gently discussed, please check out the Lemon Tree Writers website to find out how you go about doing this. Our intro and exit music is the song Rain by Martin Stevenson, sung here by Helen McCookery Book. Details on our website. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.
0: My subconscious and I are back on speaking terms, he's sending me colours and beautiful words. And far, far away are the harsh city folk, I'm surrounded by country, surrounded